We want to be ready for when you reappear. But more than that, Lord, we want to also be ready for the work you've given to us today to do every day. And Lord, if we don't look after our souls, then we will be led down the wrong path. And we will become unusable for the kingdom. And Lord, sadly, many have fallen away. Lord, be merciful to those of us who are here. May we not become one of them. Lord, as we open your word now, may we pay attention to what you are saying. May we open ourselves to your word. May we put ourselves under your word in its authority. And may we allow your spirit to change us and to equip us to glorify your name. Indeed, and in creed, in what we believe and what we say. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Please be seated. So the next few Sundays we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And I thought it's a bit of Old Testament, you know, uh, as a pastor and as a, a leadership team here, we've got to make sure that we put before God's people a good diet. All right? Uh, I used to be a farmer and I used to look after my cattle. No comparison, by the way. And I used to make sure that they had the right grass, they had water, they had lick when they needed it, so that they were healthy animals. Many times, a lot of churches, we just spend time in the New Testament and it's great. There's good stuff in the New Testament. We've been given the New Testament as a great gift from the Lord. But it's like just getting meat. I'm South African. But you know, it's not good to just live on a diet of meat. We've got to have a diet of meat and veggies. And a good balance of those. And the Old Testament is like having veggies. You can't do without it. The Bible is one book given to us. We can't cut out one section and only concentrate on the other. And so it's imperative that we spend time in the Old Testament too. And in the context of the Old Testament and the way that we are supposed to interpret the Old Testament, see what we can get from it. And so we're in the book of Proverbs. That's a lengthy introduction. So the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom literature. Uh, Various authors wrote this, but mainly King Solomon, and what was he known for? The good stuff, come on. His wisdom, initially, alright? He lost track too, because he didn't listen to his own advice. But Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived. And God gave him that wisdom. We see, if you look back in the history of the Old Testament, God gave him that wisdom. And people used to come from all over, nations around, to hear Solomon's wisdom. And here in 2019, we're going to hear Solomon's wisdom. So let's hear what he has to say. If you look in um, Proverbs 1 verse 1, it says there, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Are you listening, youth? And those are youthful at heart. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. 
And here's a summary statement, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. So let's take note of what the Lord is going to say to us. And so in the book of Proverbs, we get principles of wisdom, at the core of which is knowing the fear of the Lord. But there are various other Proverbs too, to help us in various aspects of life. And, and if you turn quickly, and we're just going to flick through these, chapter 3, verse 5 to 8, we've got a call to trust in the Lord. And we get this repeated right through the book. Chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So there you go, you're feeling a bit jaded, you need a bit of a pep up. Well, come back to the principles of God's Word, and when your soul is right, your body starts to feel better. It can't do everything, you know, the rheumatism in the knees and stuff. But Proverbs tells us about adultery and it warns us against adultery. And what a topic to have today because it seems to be just a way of living now. Partner swapping. Chapter 5 verse 15 to 17 is just an example of this. You can go and read the rest in your own time. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. And you can see the picture being created there. And also we've got warnings against laziness. And so on Saturday morning, I know it's your off day and you've had a hard week, but let's just pay attention. Rest is good in its place, but there's a difference between rest and laziness. Chapter 5, uh, uh, where are we now? Chapter 5, verse 6, verse 6 to 11. Here it is. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. I think our governing authorities need to take hold of those verses in the way they set up their policies too in this country. And then there's one on disciplining children. So you've got children, and this is very out of vogue now, but God's word says so, and so we pay attention to it. Proverbs 23 verse 13 to 14 this is illegal. That's why I'm stating it. Proverbs 23, verse 13 to 14. And if done in the right way, it has saved many of us from going where we shouldn't have gone. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. There are times when my dad gave me a hiding and I thought I was going to die. But that was just because of the pain. But it kept me out of hell.
And then the humorous ones, and I thought I must put this in, seeing as I had two girls in the family. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 23. We'll come to a few more of these ones. You have to have a chuckle a little bit here. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Know well the condition of your flocks. There you go, you townies. And give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and for the maintenance of your girls. Man, they're high maintenance. Anyway, no, I'm in, ge- in jest, in jest. So let's look at Proverbs a little bit this morning. And we're going to spend time in Proverbs chapter 4, specifically verses 20 to 27. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. I'll read for us. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You know, one of the biggest problems in Christianity we have today, and for the testimony of the church in society, is the walking away of believers from the faith. I used to be a Christian, but... If you want to survive and see Jesus Christ, when that trumpet sounds, and that's why that song means so much to me now, if you want to survive and see Jesus Christ, you need to take note of these words this morning. Because this is a spiritual survival kit to you and I. How are we to survive as human beings, as believers in this life? A typical survival kit, and I've got one over here, not really, but the picture... It, brings, it, it, it gives you the basics of what you need just to make it through, right? It doesn't give you a nice warm room and a latte on the one side. It gives you the basics you need to survive so that you can carry on living. And so you've got a knife there and you've got um, a place to keep matches dry or you've got matches that you don't need to keep dry anymore. They just strike up or flint. You've got a torch to give you light because the basic human needs are what? Light, warmth shelter okay and so if you've got those basic things you've got the whistle to draw attention to whoever's coming to look for you. you've got your compass and hopefully you've got a map too so that you can use your compass um, and you've got uh, light to strike fires and to also just give you that warmth that you really need as a human being to know that there is still hope survival blanket to keep warm and then hopefully you can survive for quite a few days without food It's the basic survival kit we need. The words we're looking at here this morning is a survival kit to you and I. And there's nothing difficult to it. In actual fact, there's four words you need to remember. I hope you can do that. 
Heart, mouth, eyes, feet. It's not hard. Okay, you want to say with me? Heart, mouth, eyes, feet. Come on, we can all do that. But, let's see what we're saying. If we look at the, the survival kit given to us here, it describes to us the essentials for holy living and perseverance in the faith. And notice the intensification that's happening here. He says, incline your ear to me, my son. Verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. The literal um, translation there is, stretch your ear to me. Can you see those long earlobes? Stretch your ear to me. Listen to me, my son. And listening, as we've seen all over Scripture, there's two things to listening. There's, yes, I accept what's being said. So there's a will section. And, there's, and then there's the submit section, to put myself under that. Yes, I will listen to this, and I will do it. There's two, two bits to inclining your ear to wisdom. So incline your ear, stretch out your ear to my sayings, says the writer of Proverbs. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep a watch on them, because before you know, they're going to be gone, and you, you'll have your sight on something else. They'll escape you. So we need to be paying attention. Keep your heart, he says. Keep your heart. And literally it says, keep, your, keep the, these things in the middle, in the center of your heart. Keep these wisdom sayings right there where you treasure things the most, like the best treasure you've ever had. Keep them in the center of your heart. In other words, he's saying, keep seeking for and holding to the truth. And that means in practice. So what are we to hold to? These, these wisdom sayings. And the result of that, he says in verse 22, they will give you what? For they are life to those who find them. Now God, in His wisdom, included these words in Scripture. And if He says they will give us life, they will give us life. And so we need to see what He's saying. They will give us life. They will give us spiritual life and perseverance. And also, interestingly, look at the rest of that. And you will find heal what? For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Now that's interesting. So, in other words, if we listen to wisdom, if our spirit is right before the Lord, it will affect our physical well-being. Well, yes, that's been proved over and over. If you are good at heart and things are going well with you, then physically you feel better, right? But if things are going against you, that's when you reach for that ice cream tub in the freezer and you put on the weight and things go worse from there. I know, I've been there, done that. Psalm 32, verse 1 to 3, proves this. David felt this when he had committed that sin with Bathsheba. And he left it unconfessed. In other words, his spirit wasn't where it should have been. His heart was not what it should have been before the Lord. And he had a physical... It, there was a physical result to that. Psalm 32, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. In other words, the one whose soul has been made right again. 
Blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, whose soul has been fixed up, whose heart is right before the Lord. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. God was working on him. It had a physical workout as well. So take note of that. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 says it in this way in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So first priority, your heart, your soul. Second priority, your body. But it is a priority. And that will take us through, says the writer to Timothy. And so, what are we to look at here? Our heart, our mouth, our eyes and our feet. Well, let's go to the heart. Guard your heart, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So what am I talking about? This physical organ bouncing around inside of you? No. We're speaking about the, the core central, your command central. Your heart. That place where your soul is. That place that the Lord has changed and given you new life. Your heart. The writer here says, guard your heart. You see, as believers, we're going to go through difficult circumstances. Some of you may be in the middle of difficult circumstances. And who knows what this week might bring. But we are told we will go through difficult circumstances while we are living. And... Difficult circumstances may lead to disappointment if we don't handle these things correctly. They may, lead, may even lead to discouragement and even disillusionment with life and Christianity. Or you might be having this continual battle with temptation. The temptation that society throws at you all the time and that you live amongst. You can't help yourself. You keep having to battle these things. Or maybe you're battling with your own sin. And I've spoken about this before. Those same sins you keep working on and wanting to get rid of and they just reappear again. And, and you kind of get disillusioned and you get tempted just to, uh, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to get on with life. Well, the writer here says, keep watch over your heart with all vigilance. That word keep watch is guard. It's a military term. A soldier was to look out. He was to be alert. He has to stand on a high place. He, used to be, he had to be awake and to keep watch for any enemies that might approach. Because it wasn't just his life at stake, it was the life of the city at stake. That's the same word used here. Keep watch, guard your heart with all vigilance. And it's interesting if you go into the text, keep watch over your heart above all those things that you guard. You see, we guard so many things today. Things that are precious to us. My family. My bank account. My integrity. My reputation. My worldly stuff. All precious to me. But he says, above all those things, guard your heart. We get sidetracked so quickly. Our heart doesn't feature. My motorbike does. Keep God over your heart. So where do we start? You see, we're already on a back foot. 
Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Oh well. That's not a good start, is it? But we know when the Lord has saved us, right? Yes, we struggle with sin and, and it seems to be a, a setting in us that we incline to want to do wrong. But the Lord says to us, I have saved you, now guard your heart. How do we do that? I want to suggest a few areas. We're going to start with a conscience indicator. What does your conscience say to you when you're in situations? Does it warn you of imminent danger of right and wrong? Now, I tread carefully here. Human psychology, humanistic psychology will say to us that conscience is shaped by, shaped by community and circumstances. And it is to a degree. If you're in a situation of gangs and violence, your conscience will be seared to those things. And they'll become normalized in many ways. And so you don't see violence and use of drugs in the same way that someone outside of the situation sees it. And so in some way your conscience is seared. But there is still that inner core of you which Scripture says is made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1. And that means you do know the difference between right and wrong. And even the most hardened criminal knows when they're doing wrong. They know. Because of that conscience in them. Made in the image of God. So listen to your conscience indicator. If your conscience indicator is in the red, pay attention. Guard your heart. What about your memory? Things you've read from Scripture. Those things that the Holy Spirit makes attentive to you all the time. Do you pay attention to the Holy Spirit working in on you and those passages that He's burned in on your heart this last week because it leapt out at you? Do you pay attention to those things? He's brought them to your attention so that you will guide your heart. What about your intellect? You look around you, the Lord's given you a great mind to work on, mostly all of us. And, and so you can see when you s should do things and when you, shan't, when you shouldn't do things, like come to a stop sign. The brain says, stop. Well, do it. Guard your heart. If you keep breaking things that are obvious, you're affecting your heart. And your volition, when you choose to do right or wrong, guard your heart. Why is this important? Well, the second part of that verse is there. For from your heart flow the springs of life. From your command center come the springs of life for the rest of your life. And everything else that you do. And so the state of your heart determines your thinking and your actions. And yes, your thinking determines things too, but your heart is where the core of it is. The Lord has done a work in your heart. Guard your heart. It will affect your thinking and then what you do as a human being. Second thing, heart to mouth. Watch your mouth. Dave spoke about this last week. The word here is verse 24. It's a really violent word. The word is put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. The word put away means to shove violently away. Shove it away from you. What? Crooked speech. Literally perversity. Putting others down. Big talk. Lying about things. Babbling talk. That's empty chatter, whether it's virtual or not virtual. 
whether it's on the internet or in reality, talking about talking. Babble. Put it away from you. Shove it away from you. Why? Because if you do that, you are also guarding your heart. These are ways to guard your heart as well, by watching your mouth. I can guard my heart. And put devious talk far away from you. Devious talk is slightly different to crooked speech. It is talk which tricks others. Exaggeration. Lying. Half-truths. You see, you open your heart to some serious damage if you misuse your mouth. It's important. Jesus warns of this. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. This is what Jesus says. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Tell me, my fellow Christian, what comes out of your mouth constantly? It will tell you what's in your heart. Is your heart filled with treasure? Or is it filled with filth? It needs to be dealt with by the Lord. It will come out towards your children, towards your clients, towards your fellow pedestrians or motorists, it will come out. It will come from the heart. Your mouth helps to guard your heart. And so guard your heart by watching what you say. Fill your heart with good things and you'll speak good things and do good things. That's a mouth. Next thing up, eyes. Fix your gaze, says verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So what does he mean here? See, he's using this direction all the time. He says, may your eyes look directly forward. In other words, with fixed purpose before you. May your gaze be straight ahead. You see, when you're walking on the path, those of you who have been tramping, Tongariro crossing, mountain, mountain crossings, whatever, if you're on a path, it's really, really important to look where you're going. Why? There's two reasons. The one is, you could miss the path completely, fall down and hurt yourself. And the other one is that you might go off on a wrong path and get lost. Okay? So that's kind of important when you're on a path. In South Africa we have a third one. It's very safe here in New Zealand. Oh, boring. Um, when you're walking along a path, you have to really watch where you're stepping to because a snake can bite you. What can get me here? White-tailed spider. That's nice, actually. But, he says, keep your eyes straight before you, directly forward. Fix your eyes on the path ahead. You see, there's a target here. What are your eyes fixed on? Our eyes get so quickly fixed on the things of this world. As Pilgrim's Progress says, the bright baubles of this earth. What are your eyes fixed on? That is where your feet will go. You go where your eyes are looking. A farmer knows this well. There's a farmer amongst us. Keith? Where's Keith? Oh, are there. What's the secret of plowing a straight line, Keith? Keep your eyes straight ahead and? And what? And don't look back. I thought you said go fast. 
not with a tractor, Keith. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on a fixed reference and then you will plough a straight line. That's what he's saying here. Focus your eyes, fix your eyes. And what do we fix our eyes on? The wisdom of God. Fix your eyes on the wisdom of God and you will guard your heart as well. How do we fix our gaze? By applying God's word to our lives. By making Jesus the fixed point in my life. By constantly referring to Jesus Christ in my everyday life. What would you do, Lord? What have you told me to do, Lord? You are the one I want to have my eyes fixed on. My heart will be protected. See it? Mouth, eyes will guard the heart. And then lastly, guard your walk. Verses 26 to 27. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You see, the Bible says here, ponder the path of your feet. My dad used to say it in much more crude language to us six boys. Put your brain into gear first and then walk. Ponder the path of your feet. This is a wider term. It means think over where you're walking in life. Ponder it. Think over carefully. Reflect on where you are walking in life and in life situations. Think over these things. Don't just automatically do life. Think to yourself, what I'm doing now, is this good for my heart? Is it good for my spiritual life? Is where I'm going now good for my Christian witness? In other words, watch your step. And if you think over your walk and ponder your ways, if you consider your ways, then, says Scripture, all your ways will be sure. You see, if you're thinking about what you're doing and where you're in, you will not land in situations and I don't know how I got there. You haven't been pondering over where you're going. You won't land up in drunken parties and not know how I got there and how, how do I get out of this. You won't land up in compromising situations because you would have been thinking about what you're doing. You won't land up with temptations for substance abuse because your friends are inviting you. Get out before then. You won't land up in an office romance because you've been pondering the ways of your feet. You won't end up with a husband with another man or another woman that seems to love you more than your husband and your wife. Why? Because you've been pondering the ways of your feet. And in so doing, you're guarding your heart. You see, the Bible says here, stay alert to where you're heading in life. Situations will tempt you and people will call you to do whatever and to do what is wrong or into compromising situations, but stay alert. Guard your heart. Watch where your feet are going. And when you see your walk is heading in the wrong direction, then do something about it. Don't just let it carry on. If you see your relationship is heading in the wrong way with, and starting to love someone else except for the one you've given your promises to, do something about it. Turn your foot away from evil, says Scripture. Like stepping in that path and you can see the snake in front of you. Don't put your foot on the snake. It's going to bite. 
Turn your foot away from evil. That's a violent thing. And sometimes it might take a violent action. It might take drastic action to turn my foot away from evil. It might mean cutting off of a relationship completely, even though they were friends, because you see something unhealthy happening. Be proactive in this. Act now. Why? Because your heart is in danger. Save your soul. Because you want to appear before the Lord one day when that trumpet sounds. And so there's a survival kit for life. Very basic. Heart, mouth, eyes, feet will follow. But they're all connected. They're all connected to the heart. And so we need to look at these basics again. And I urge you this, this week, examine every single one of these facets of your life and make sure you are on track with the Lord. Make sure that you are guarding your heart above all others. Guard your heart. Keith, Steve Green said it this way, beautiful words, and we're going to listen to the song next, but just some of the words. Guard your heart. Don't trade it for treasure. My heart cries when I see young people walking away and trading their hearts for so-called treasure in this world. Don't give your heart away. Guard your heart. As a payment for pleasure, it's a high price to pay. How much is your heart worth? In money? For a soul that remains sincere with conscience clear, guard your heart. The human heart is easily swayed and often betrayed at the hand of emotion, says the song. You dare not leave the outcome to chance. You must choose in advance or live with the agony. Such needless tragedy, guard your heart. For a soul that remains sincere, with conscience clear before the Lord. Guard your heart. Teenagers, young people, young adults, guard your hearts. Don't sell out your heart for a so-called treasure. It will take you to Sheol. Hear the words of the Lord to us today. Let's pray. Lord, if we are believers here today, we look forward to that day when you return. But Lord, we want to make it there. And so Lord, we come and we plead with you. Help us, Lord, in this life, when things come against us, to guard our hearts, through our eyes, through our, where our feet go, what our mouth says, we will guard our hearts before you. And then you will equip us to be able to withstand the wiles of Satan. You will equip us to persevere and your spirit will help us on our walk. Lord, help us to guard our hearts. And Lord, as we go to our homes and as parents, we are examples to our children. May they see us 
guarding our hearts. May they see it in practice, Lord, so that they too are learning. And Lord, as we do so, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue just to keep us, to protect us, and to guide us every single day. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You will do it. You are faithful. But keep us faithful before you. Amen.